Hello, you are now listening to the Modem Podcast, where we deconstruct, examine, and discuss deeply technical data networking and information technology topics. Sit back and relax while we fire up Dial D and the 9600 Bob Modem and connect to the Wildcat BBS. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Modem Podcast, where we talk about all things technical and networking and security and SNMP for Chris Young and automation for Chris Cummings and everything else in between. Today, it's just going to be John Osman and I. We're just going to we're going to have a little chat. We're going to have a little chat here. We're going to talk about something that uh, we've been kind of kicking around uh, in one of our one of our groups. Um, and it's kind of one of those strange things. It's uh, it's something that seems fairly innocuous, but I think has wide scoping implications and everyone has a different idea of how it should be done. And you're thinking, well, you're describing everything in networking right now, aren't you, Nick? And John's going, no, no, we're talking about, what are we talking about, John? Point to point numbering. Point to point IP and IPv6 addressing. And And you might think, that seems boring and you would be it right. Is. It is. <laughs> Except for when it isn't. <laughs> well, it, um, it, it only gets boring when you don't actually use it as a point to point and you try and shove some more addresses in there because you're on some, maybe a broadcast medium or, you know, some other interesting network piece like that. But if it's point to point, it's pretty simple. You put yeah, two addresses that, on. That's one of the- <laughs> That's one of the things that came up, uh, you know, and I got all like, you know, opinionated and stuff about, well, I, if I, if I get a BGP peering over Fiberlink or whatever, I'm going to get a slash 29. And I, for some reason that does not, that does not compute in my head because then it's a, then it's a broadcast network at that point. It's a host network because you have multiple hosts on it and I can see reasons for doing that, and I have actually done it before, but that that sort of spawned this long sort of wandering conversation we had, right, about how we do all these things, and is there a standard? And I think the answer is largely there isn't any defined well, standard. I think anybody you sit down and work with thinks that what they're doing is standard until they see <laughs> someone else working it, and they're like, oh, I guess that works too. Yep. Um, I mean, yeah. if, if, if it's a true point to point, do we even need to put numbers on it? I mean, can, can we just set back and maybe we should go into the CLNS model and just number the host or number the hosts themselves and forget about putting everything on different on address points and just, I mean, push it across. <laughs> that's doable with IPv6. You can use link local addressing for all kinds of stuff and it's locally significant and nowhere else. Right. And, you know, well, there are obviously that, implications for that, but th- that leads us down the same aisle that you know it could be broadcast or point to point still. That's a, also a good point because it's a slash sixty four at that point. Um, you know, I mean, for I mean, so we can get we we can, I guess we could probably take some of the arguments and talk about you know, gee, I like a I like the idea of a point to point with just two numbers on there. Could be at a slash thirty one for IPv four or a slash one twenty seven in uh ice in ipv6 um those are good because you have two things on the entire network and you can you don't have to worry about anybody else you know breaking in and talking to you because you're the only two things there anyway and so you're the only things um logical legal to talk to yeah and so that's where my mind always goes 
Um, because, you know, when you think of, when you think of a, a link between two routers, you think there's not supposed to be anything else in between there. And in, in my mind, you know, having been a security guy before, anything else in between there is nefarious, right? It's dubious. And why is it there? What is it doing? Who owns it? Can it hear my traffic? Is it collecting things? You know, optical taps notwithstanding, right? Because you can't see them. You know, you may see the optical budget drop a little bit. Anything else in between there, I assert is questionable. So, I mean, okay, so I guess a switch running in between two things that has a span port. Sure, that's the, you know, that's the poor man's oh, so, optical tap. So you think that's okay? I don't think that's okay. And that has bitten <laughs> me on more than one occasion by... Someone saying, there's nothing in between. I can't, you know, this is not passing correctly. Your router's broken, blah, blah, blah. Two, three days later after troubleshooting and, you know, a remote link, it's like, oh, oh, the, uh, <laughs> the Cisco catalyst switch that's in between these two things needs to be rebooted. Um, wait a minute. Why is that there? You know, it, may, even, it doesn't have an address on that link, but it's in between. Even better when it's not a switch. It's oh, there's a media converter there. Well, oh, God. oh God, what is it doing? I mean, it's it falls over and comes back sometimes, and yeah, no. So I've seen media converters that don't pass link up, link down yeah. correctly. That's so, that's a real bad day. So what do we want? Do we want do we want point to points with just two addresses? I say right now yes because. We've got the only two things talking to each other. They don't need to talk to anything else. It's a great way to pass traffic between two routers, two networks, two whatever. It's it's a very it's a distinct pathway. If you if you need to, you can you know at the layer two level do LACP or something else and get some parallel pathing going and have a logical link that is just these two addresses. And God, that's nice and easy. Yeah, I like the idea of the single you know, one address per host on either side, ideally, you know, in my mind, a slash 31 is perfect. There's no waste. Oh. Most modern equipment should do it. I'm knocking on air here. I'm hand waving around <laughs> here for the videos. You can see it, but you know, the, you know, 127 is the, the, you know, current IP standard equivalent in V6. Uh, 31 would be the legacy IP version. Oh. So are we, do we, do we now have to sit down and get a different set, a uh, different pair of addresses for every address family we're going to be playing with? Are we only going to be playing V4 and V6? I mean, is there anything else coming up that we're going to have to worry about? I don't know. I mean, I mean back in the days point... you had to, you had to configure Apple talk and IPX and those other things, but those have gone the way of the dodo and you know most network engineers that aren't as old as us don't even know that that was a thing you know so are, are people going to start are people going to start building up new transport protocols on top of v4 and v6 just to, oh wait we've got quick running around oh let's not talk about that today though no <laughs> that's way down the rabbit hole there but but i do think that you know having those two it's two single addresses it's clean it's simple it's easier to troubleshoot and you can do things like, oh, I'm going to put another link in parallel, right? Two, three, four circuits, all with you know individual addressing. You can put those in a bundle and take the addressing out, or you can do what my preferred methodology would be is to run ECMP routing protocol over those. I'm not a big fan of LACP. I'm not really sure why. 
I mean, I've done it many times, but everything everything bites you sometimes somewhere. Yeah. So I've never really been bitten by LACP. I just, you know, I operate in the WAN most of the time. So ECMP is what my go-to is. Well, and that's, I mean, it runs nicely on top of a bunch of point-to-point connections where you have everything really simple. It just happens to be that multiple paths go to the same place. So it seems pretty obvious that you ought to just, you know, find a way to hash across them and load share them. Yeah, I agree. But I have, I have worked places where, you know, you only, you only had, we didn't have the ability to get multiple paths across something. So we only had one circuit someplace and to increase Mm -hmm. our uptime, we would do things like maybe put two routers in each end and put more addresses on there. You know, instead of being a point to point, we now we turn into a um, something with a few more addresses and we get a broadcast medium and now we can run multiple BGP sessions across it. And, you know, so four routers running four sessions between them. Now any one router going out, you don't lose what's going on across that link. Then that's, I think that's a pretty good argument for saying that it's useful to have more than a pair of addresses on a link. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do um, box redundancy that way, I've seen that done before. I'm honestly not a huge fan of it. I would. I'm not really know, a fan my... of it, but I've been stuck in places where that was the only way to do it. Yep, if, it's, you, it's all, if you wanted it's hardware redundancy. Yeah. I mean, hardware redundancy is a real thing. If you don't have a chassis or you don't like chassis or, that's just what you have, right? That's the, that's probably the right answer. Um, Cause you know, as we've said many millions of times, the answer is always, it depends. So, you know, how much money do you have? What equipment do you have? Blah, 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 blah. You know, the, there's, there's many reasons for those things, but in my perfect world, everything is distinct. There's a distinct circuit. There's distinct addressing. I have a distinct routing protocol process running over each of those prior distinctions and it's all clean and it's all, you know. Okay. You also said that you're a, you're a WAN type guy. So, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, are you, do you want to go take that to the extreme the other way when we go into the office building? Do you want to put a point to point to everybody's individual PC at the end point and just deal with everything routing? Well, so I think, but the way that I think about that differently is that that is a access medium and not a interconnection, right? So, and I've done routing all the way down to the desktop where you route at the access, well, it's an access layer three switch, right? But it's a broadcast domain still. Um, That's as close as I've come. I've seen places where they do like pawn deployments for client isolation and um, for um, security reasons. There's no electronic medium. It's all light. So basically it's pawn to an ONT that sits on a desk. These are high security locations, right? So it's a little bit extreme. But But, now you're talking, you're talking to things that are all, you know, point to multi-point. I mean, which, you know, brings up some of the wireless world and things that there's another, I've, I've seen wireless ISPs that have, well, they, they typically overload the number of addresses on the uh, link so that they can do in-band uh, management of the radios themselves on the links they're using. And I've seen people put, you know, slash 29s so they can number 
both radios and both um, and both routers in the same link. And I've also seen them put slash 30s at each end that are the router and radio pair on each side with um, with default routes going to the closest router so that if the radio link goes down, you could still get to the two radios if you had an alternate path and still had Ethernet connectivity to both. That's a, that is a very, that's a fantastic use case. And I've actually done that myself where I've multi-netted on the radio links so that I can have radio management on one, like, an, you know, a yeah. uh, one, one address scheme that's probably 1918 space and then public addressing for the clients that are on, you know, that are, that are bridged. It's, right. And I've done that. What do you, and, that, and that's what do you call that? that? What do you call that at that point? It, that's not, is oh, that point mess, to point? Is but, it? <laughs> But it works, you know, and, and really, I don't know of a better way other than doing PPPoE. How do you do that? Right. People, PPPoE gives you that. It gives you that quote unquote circuit, right. That's got a slash 30 on it or whatever, however you want to do it. And it creates that virtual circuit that's clean. Like what I'm, you know, what I was referencing before, but there's a huge amount of overhead that goes along with that. And if you talk to anybody in the wireless fixed wireless world there's no in between they either hate pppoe or it's the only way to do it how oh, you bringing up pppoe it kind of makes me start thinking about you know mpls tunnels let you just you know use tags and get that but that's all built up on the underlay underneath there but what about things like you know vxlan or you know ethernet over ip tunnels do you you is it worth the time you know um normalizing everything to point to points across your entire network and numbering everything in slash thirties, even though under underneath it might be encapsulating and shooting it across someplace. I mean, I've seen it done that way too. I've seen it done with, you know, point to point VPLS circuits as well. Yeah. Right. It's, it all depends on what you're trying to do. In that case, I would say if you don't have a use case, then don't, then just do it as a broadcast medium. Right. If you don't have a specific use case where, I, like, say, you know, I'm going to use PPPoE as, as an example again, but, you know, you've got PPPoE and other attributes are assigned by that authentication, like your speed, mm-hmm. your speed package or something like that, your QoS settings. That gets to be an interesting piece there, because I, I hear you now arguing for broadcast media with multiple numbers rather than the point to point that you were earlier. So did I catch you and in being inconsistent here or is you it know, just an, it depends? <laughs> I think it's an, it depends, right? Because wireless to me, it, it all, it's all about how things register in my brain, right? If I have a physical piece of fiber, then I want that to be numbered accordingly. Right? I don't want to broadcast medium on that. If it's a link between two routers, if it's um, a point-to-point radio system, I probably want the same thing. But if it's client access, you know, if it's either PON or uh, you know, radio fixed wireless radio link, or or just plugging into an Ethernet jack in the wall with a desktop, I, do, I, I think of that more as um, a broadcast medium. I don't know why. Why would that be, Doctor? Why could that be? <laughs> I feel like well, I need to be laying on a couch with a pillow. Well, I suspect that you don't think too much about, you know, the link level. 
you know, the link layer piece, when you plug something into the wall and you're actually getting two unicast, you know, unicast point to points between your device and the local switch. I mean, I, why are we even doing this layer two stuff above and beyond that? Why aren't we just routing from that switch? I've done that, but I've not done it per oh, host. No, no, but I mean, everybody gets slash 31 or slash 32 and you just do an IPN number to cross each one of those Ethernet ports. You could do that. I think you could stop though when you, you could have said, I think you don't think too much and then just stopped <laughs> there. <laughs> but it's probably true. I tend to overthink a few of these things. Yeah, it's the what's the scene from uh, Fantastic Four that had Chris Evans when he played the Human Torch before he played uh, <laughs> Captain America when they said, don't think about it, just do it. And he jumps out the window and goes, never do. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wise decision. It's uh, he who hesitates is lost. No, that's not it. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> look before well, okay, you leave. So <laughs> let's 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 rewind it a little bit. So. Back before, um, you know, slash 31s were really available widely across platforms. And, and, and I'm, making a, I'm making a statement here that may or may not be super accurate. Like most of the gear that I touch supports slash 31s. The one exception being that Microtik has had on-again, off-again support for 31s for like five or six years. I think with the latest versions of router OS, it now works. Um, same with slash 127s, although I think they had 127s working first, surprisingly enough. Um, but back before any of that worked, I learned it's a slash 30 of public address space for every, let's say, you know, I'm, I'm provisioning a one gig circuit or even a T1 at that point. I'm let's say I'm provisioning a T1. I'm going to give them a slash 30 that burns two extra addresses for broadcast and network. Um, which is not efficient, but if you number that out of private address space or RFC 19 address space, it breaks trace route um, in one in the inbound direction, right? Outbound, it's going to show up fine, right? Because it's local to you, but it breaks inbound trace route, which has other implications for like the knock or whoever else. Um, but what are, what were the alternatives then? And what are the alternatives now? Well, I think, I mean, that you're hitting across one of the reasons why people started putting together PPP over E to begin with. The idea that in this broadcast environment, we wanted to make sure that we were treating endpoints as point, you know, as point to point links. Um, the addressing side, everybody just, you know, put up with for a while until they, you know, until the early 90s when everyone went, oh, wait these addresses are going to run out <laughs> and all the IPNG work started happening. Um, and people started thinking, you know, we've got cider, we've got all these things. And someone finally said, well, why don't we just push it down to a slash 31? Um, way to save it, way, way to save space. But I think, I think I like some of the things that are popping out nowadays a little more like, you know, being able to use IPv6 as a next hop for IPv4 addressing. And, you know, it's, it, yep. I think it still breaks, trace routes for, you know, certain situations or, um, you know, being able to do unnumbered in IPv4 and just shove things across a, um, a point to point link that all of those pieces are going to work. Um, it's a matter of how do you troubleshoot them? What, you know, what tools do you have, you know, from a remote place? How many times have you had to 
troubleshoot somebody else's network from across the world or, you know, across the continent or across the state or, you know, anything like that, where people were literally, you know, legitimately asking you help. How do I do this? And if they, if you don't have the right tools in place, you can't help them with that troubleshooting. And so doing things that aren't slash 31s or slash 30s or slash 127s, trying to number things unnumbered or link local only addresses or things like that can cause some major issues from the troubleshooting when things break and things break all the time. Yep. All the time. So I just, I actually just did this. Um, what is that RFC, uh, RFC 5549 or whatever. Um, shout out to, to Trey Asplund on the, on that. We were working on something on ZTVI and, I'm handing him a BGP peering because he's working on a pretty neat little project and didn't want to do any V4. So he showed me how to do um, that uh, V4, the V6 next top on FRR, which by the way is uh, uh, compatibility extended dash next hop. Um, and it just, it just worked, which was really nice. So that, that is a, that's a pretty huge win. And a lot of people don't even really know you can do things like that. You know, sending, sending different address families inside of a, another address family in a routing protocol is that's some ISIS stuff there, yeah. you, you know, but you know, you talking about it there also brings forward things like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, what did you practice and what did you play with to make this stuff work? You had to go find, you had to go work for somebody to had some of the gear lying around, or you yeah. had to go find something, you know, in the gray market and put something together for yourself. But, you know, we now have things like FRR and, uh, what a container lab and some of the other really cool GNS three and big things like that, that allow us to actually build these in, yeah. you know, in our mind. And, you know, it, it doesn't end up something physical anymore. Always. I mean, I remember putting, you know, six or eight routers in a rack and doing back-to-back T ones and, uh, oh, yeah. you know, a couple of ethernet pieces and things like that to try and learn, Oh, that's how this MPLS stuff works. Look, I just skipped that entire router in there. I mean, <laughs> this is cool. I know, right. So um, funny story about that. This is a this is a great point to point numbering story. So twenty two <laughs> years ago, um, I was working for a broadband internet provider, and we had you know we were regional. Uh, we did T ones and DSL and ISDN, all all that stuff. We were working on some Doxis stuff that never came to fruition, but you know we were pretty good sized. We had the Southern Chicago region down through Kankakee for broadband and into Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. This is all in the state of Illinois in the U.S. And then over into um, just west of Indiana. So right at the Indiana-Illinois border. So we were a pretty good size network. Well, we had a, you know, we had a customer that decided they were going to build an internet provider and compete with us. Great. You know, competition's always good for the customer. I wasn't worried about it really at all. Um, but they started making these ads that were very clearly barbs at us. We are fewer hops to the internet. That was their whole claim to fame. We're fewer hops to the internet. And so I was like, well, okay, what does that mean? Uh, it means, you know, there are fewer point to point addresses configured in the path from their customer to, you know, their transit provider. They only had one transit provider. They were pretty small. So I went through and I changed everything to unnumbered. 
<laughs> Everything was one hop to the internet. And so their whole advertising campaign, I mean, they paid a lot of money. They put billboards up. They had like signs on the sides of the MTV buses in the, in the region that they were in with fewer hops to the internet as their, like, that is their selling point. And then they weren't anymore. And he called me and he yelled at me. He's like, what did you do? You're being dishonest, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I didn't do anything. I, all I did was change configuration to IP unnumbered to our loopback interface. And he didn't know what that meant. And so I emailed him a bunch of config and, you know, because I wasn't, <laughs> well, yeah, was I really mean, just kind of a, a fun game to me, but man, he was pissed. It's always, it's um, always fun to send people a config and say, well, this is all I did and watch them. <laughs> I may have sent him an RFC too. I can't remember, but yeah, he was none too happy. And then, you know, about a year and a half later, they went out of business and the company bought all their assets, pennies on the dollar, but it's all your fault. You know, You're a bad man. Just, they didn't have any networking people. It was, you know, it was a it was a good grassroots effort. I found it to be fun to do that, but that's just kind of how my brain works. But that's my that's my fun like point to point addressing story. Is sure you can use any point to point addressing you want or none at all. <laughs> IP unnumbered it, and I, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever done any routing in anger. You know, based on multiple. IP unnumbered hops. I think I've done it to play with it and make sure everybody knew, you know, what was going on and what it looked like so you could spot it later. But I don't know that I've ever bothered doing it on a large network. That would have been fun. Oh, it was definitely not an anger. It was <laughs> more like, I'm a big fan of spite-based engineering. <laughs> so that's, that's more or less what it was. But no, that was that was fun. But, you know, back, back then, you could do things like that. You also had lots of addresses you could burn. But I remember when I was at the university, we, you know, even though we had huge allocations of uh, grandfathered space, you know, pre-RIR um, yeah. allocations, big blocks, we didn't have enough. Um, you know, we didn't use address translation for things that didn't need it, which was most things. You know, we had a really good security policy and a good perimeter and, and all of those things. So we used public addressing everywhere, except we started running out when we were having to you know build out new nodes which handled new sections of campus so we had to convert point-to-point -point addressing to um 1918 space we actually ran out of vlan ids too we had to do vlan scoping so you know yeah. when you when you start doing when you start doing that at huge scale you start running out of resources yeah um that's but that's none that's of the gear did 31s but that's None another story. VLANs, VLANs. Those are broadcast <laughs> mediums. That's not point to point. No. We're talking about point to point addressing. <laughs> How do we do it? <laughs> but wait a minute. What about a point to point VLAN? Blow your mind. Oh, no, no, no. That's a broadcast domain. Let's argue on that one for 20 minutes. It is. No, three I, I three remember minutes. having to go through and convert addressing. So certain micro tickets like this, old brocade slash foundry gear was like this. You could do much more on the physical interface than you could a logical interface. Like people that are used to Cisco gear, you know, you configure Cisco, you configure an SVI or an RVI or whatever it's, whatever the nomenclature is for a VLAN interface with an address on it. You can basically treat that like a physical interface on, let's say, the Catalyst series. Yeah. Right. You can configure addressing on it. You can configure 
all, you know, flow export, all kinds of things on um, older foundry gear. You can't do that. You can only do those things on physical interfaces. So when you want to do something like I want to create a point to point link, but it's a VLAN, right? Because then I can pick that VLAN up and move it to a separate physical interface, without having to renumber everything, which is really nice when you do it. You can't do that on those. Now, Microtik gets around that by having much easier config, you know, syntax change. But You're, the other you know, piece you talked about, Microtik a little bit earlier was, you know, not being able to do slash 31. So you we're running around and there are certain pieces of equipment and certain manufacturers that when you're using them, you have these limitations. But the converse is just like you just spoke about there with the foundry pieces. There's something in there you can do that you can't do with somebody else's gear, whether it's a point-to-point piece or um, a broadcast medium. I mean, but in the long run, um, every single one of these comes down to what do you know? What have you worked with? What is equipment in front of you presenting to it, you know, presenting to you? And how do you best use that to deal with the problem at hand? Because the networks aren't here just for the sake of being a network, as much as you and I might like that. They're here to transport information that makes money for somebody else in one way, shape, Yeah, it's a utility, right? It's a utility in one way or another. It might generate revenue. It might be there to support revenue generation. It might be for public good. It's it's a resource, right? And, And that's something I think is lost in some of these conversations where you have Folks that have always worked on, you know, homogenous networking equipment and it's, you know, we only buy vendor whatever because that's what we support. And so they never have to work outside the confines of that ecosystem. So if I am typically, you know, vendor C and I buy buy vendor J, it's going to be a very different experience. There might be there might be standards that need to be changed, or you may end up with a one-off if they don't do something the same way that your you know incumbent vendor does, or your you know your, your majority vendor may do this. Say your majority vendor is all Foundry, you know, because it's ten years ago and they still exist. You're going to configure everything on physical ports, but then you buy a Cisco, and Cisco's like, why would you do that? You can do this all logically, and then it makes moving things around a lot easier. So, you know, what do you do at that point? You probably configure the Cisco as a hardware, you know, configure addresses on your hardware interfaces because that's what it is everywhere else. We've gone a long uh, way from point-to-point addressing. I knew geez, we but, would. But, but they, all, they, all run, they all run back to that. I mean, so why, why are you worried about what you're going to do with each one of these pieces? But it, it's, it ends up being because some way, some shape, some form, I have to put an address on this this physical port or this logical port so that I can talk to something further away. And, and it all comes back to, you know, you can't ever talk to anybody that isn't directly connected to you. There's no way to do it. The only thing you can do is ask somebody directly connected to you to pass it on for you. And yep. we have all these different tools. How do we get to that, that adjacent device? Sometimes it's broadcast. Sometimes it's point to point. Sometimes, yeah. Well, everything is onion routing <laughs> <laughs> in one way or another. No, I mean, I think let's, so let's talk about, let's talk about V6 point to point addressing, right? Because when I learned V6 was a really long time ago and everything was a slash 64, 
like there was gear that you literally could not configure anything but a slash 64 on a, as a, you know, as an address on an interface or an, uh, you know, or a logical interface. And that was the mindset that I had for, I, I a little bit reticent to admit it, but I had that for probably too long. I had that attitude, like it's gotta be a 64. Um, but there, that's wrought with problems, right? As you can imagine, you got neighbor table exhaustion and other, you know, side, side attacks on the neighbor tables. And, you know, up until, well, it was only a handful of years ago, there's been some, you know, neighbor, neighbor table exhaustion exploits out there in the wild. And so, you know, V6 is one of those point to point addressing conundrums, right? Because again, there's no, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Unlike, you know, unlike V4, you've got 30 or 31, unless you're putting like a broad, you know, yeah. a broadcast network on there. So V6 has, I guess, the equivalent of that, you know, at a much grander scale. I've seen folks that do, I've seen folks that still do 64s. Um, I've seen 126s, which is what I had settled on for a very long time. Um, I've seen 112s. I've seen 120s. Uh, somebody said something the other day, like 114s. 114, okay. Now, the question is, is do, when they do those, are they actually, are internally, are they allocating a 64 and just configuring it that way? Or are they actually breaking the 64s up? That's a good question because if you start looking at, you know, what are considered best practices, the way I was always taught was you, um, you allocate and then take from inside of that. However, I will say that a coworker of mine, um, who I will, I will give kudos to his name is Ryan Harden. He pointed out to me, he and I had this debate when we were still at the university about 64 is everywhere. And he's actually the one that changed my mind on this because his idea of I will allocate one 64 and then one twenty sixes inside of that, all of that 64, then I only have to create one ACL rule for all of my infrastructure interconnect. And I just thought, you know what? That's smart. That's just, that's just smart. I got to create one firewall rule. And that's it. Everything is numbered out of the same things. You always know that you can, you can visually set that, right. If you really want to do that, which I, you know, I don't necessarily recommend, but you know, I thought that was a good idea. So that's actually how we did the university. Um, but now there are, you know, one twenty sevens, which were originally like, these are a bad idea. Don't ever do them. That's been updated. I believe there's an RFC and I believe it is 6164 um for using prefixes uh 127 prefixes on interconnect links so again there's a million different i've just lost you uh it's recording locally okay we gotta we, we gotta wrap up anyway i gotta yeah let's get kids home i gotta feed them i, but, uh, I I'll think i'll cut all this out yeah, where do you want to finish this? We can just we can just do it right now if you want. I can just, you know, I can start to wrap it up. I think we're gonna end up hitting the thing that you always say. It depends. 
<laughs> I think you're right. I think I think we've kind of drugged this through the mud, and I think the answer, like so many things, you know, w- when you're leaving this podcast, you're going to be left with the same feeling you have every time you leave the podcast disappointment and no answers because the answer is always it depends i I think you're being too cheery about how people leave this podcast but (laughs) hey are you having a good time yeah we'll we'll fix that (laughs) why why are you listening to this Uh, no i i think we've definitely drug all this through the mud um we've looked at good bad in a couple of different address families um pros and cons fun reasons that use unnumbered uh yeah i would like i would like to hear if anybody else has some ideas of what we missed yeah that'd be good if people listening to this want to want to hit us up hit us up on twitter john's never on there but what's your twitter handle at john osmond j-o-h-n-o-s-m-o-n maybe maybe you can coax him into responding and and you can you can at uh at modemcast whatever it is. Uh, mine is at forwarding plane. Hit us up. Tell us what we didn't get. Tell us what we forgot or just tell us we're great or tell us we're terrible. Um, or tell us if you I didn't listen. <laughs> I didn't listen. Ah, I didn't listen. All right. With that, I, I think, I think we're out. Stick a fork in it. Thanks. Uh, take care. Thank you for tuning in to the Modem Podcast, where yesterday's modems are today's transponders. For more information or to request a topic, please visit modem.show.